turn with me then your Bibles to Luke's Gospel and chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And before we read the pertinent section, let me tell you. When you get married, your entire life, I have discovered, becomes recalibrated around one person. Nothing will ever get past that filter again. Nothing will happen in life without reference to that one point, that one person. They come into every equation. Many of you know what I'm talking about. And that's what it's like growing up in Israel in the days of our Lord Jesus. Everything was in context of this coming of one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world. Everything was around that one person. All the kings were compared to him, the king of kings. All the priests were compared to him, the great high priest who would reconcile men to God. All the shepherds were compared to him, the great shepherd of the flock of Israel. All, every mother was compared to him who looks after, raises, cares for and nurtures his people. So everything in the life of the nation was reclaimed into that perspective of the coming of the Christ. And it's in that context that we have here in Luke chapter 2, Mary and Joseph going into the temple at Jerusalem and they're about to meet someone who they will never forget for the rest of their lives. And so we'll read from Luke chapter 2 and from verse 25. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Simeon came by the Spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed." Now, God willing, what we'll look at this evening is three things, as is the tradition. Simeon heard, Simeon saw, and Simeon holds. So first of all, Simeon heard. Simeon heard in verses 25 and 26. Now, let me ask you, what does Simeon have in common with our Sunday school children? The children who come and give their verses here every Sunday morning and go off to Sunday school... They have something in common with Simeon here in Luke chapter 2. They both know all their Bible stories. 
Who knows the Bible stories better than our Sunday school children? And we need to catch up with our children in some regard. We need to get on the same page as Simeon because context is very important. And there's one Bible story that is of paramount importance to understand what we're looking at here in Luke chapter 2. And that's this one. Not long after God made the entire universe and everything in it, humans, we, sinned. And that ruined everything. Sin entered the world and thereby a perfect relationship with God was ruined and lost. Instead of our father, God became our enemy. And the symptoms of this fall include, but are not limited to, sickness, grief, anxiety, depression, loss, bereavement, Bullying, greed, swindling, abuse, cheating, injustice, pride, all of the evil that you can mention. Everything which we are supposed to hate in others and in ourselves. Because let us all be honest for a moment. Church is a place for honesty, isn't it? We have all sinned. The Bible says... All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you know, as well as I do, what it is to feel guilty because we've done things that are wrong. And if you don't believe me, let me ask you another question. What would you do tonight if you knew nobody would ever discover? If you knew you'd get away with it? We must all admit it. We're all sinners. You know, almost immediately after we first sinned, God came to us. And instead of judging us as we deserved, instead he showed mercy and he promised to send the Christ who will undo all of the ruin that we have brought upon ourselves and the world. And since then, everyone has been talking about him. Since then, everyone has been talking about the Christ who will come. Adam and Eve told their children, who told their children, and so on. The Christ will come. He will restore all things. He will remove our guilt. He will make peace with God. And on the receiving end of all of these stories and all of this talk of the coming Christ is Simeon. Simeon grew up in a religion, a country, a culture saturated with the anticipation of the coming Christ. He had read, even as a child, the prophecies that we read this evening, Isaiah 49, the Christ who will come from God to do amazing things, to restore people to a perfect relationship with God, to take away sin, to take away guilt, to bring instead righteousness, holiness. Yes, Simeon had heard about the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he would do to save sinners. So these are the stories that Simeon had in his head from his youth. But there was something special that's about what Simeon heard, wasn't there? What is it that Simeon heard that nobody else heard? Specifically, Simeon heard from God. He heard that he would live to see the day when Christ would finally come. He would clap eyes on him himself. What a word to hear from God. The Christ who has been so expected for centuries. The Christ upon whom your nation, your family, your job, 
Everything is centred. When your whole life is in reference to this one person and he's coming to you, Simeon, you will see him. It's so fantastic to be unbelievable. I have a friend who comes to this church. I won't name him because it'll embarrass him. But he watches with, um, with some of us, uh, David Attenborough on BBC, you know, the planet and the creatures and things like that. And, you know, this person is absolutely convinced that the BBC are involved with a nationwide conspiracy to convince us all that narwhals really exist. Because narwhals are so fantastic in their appearance, whales with a huge horn on their head like a unicorn whale. So amazing that even when he sees it on the screen, he just doesn't believe it. It's so fantastic, he just won't believe it. This is how fantastic this news is, that Christ has finally come. And Simeon, you will see him. It's so fantastic. If you don't mind my saying so, some of us here are very old. But none of us have grown up in first century Palestine. We may not have grown up in a Jewish culture steeped in Judaism like Simeon, but we have all had the privilege of hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ. You have heard of him. You have heard all the amazing things that he can do. You have heard from your preachers, your family, your friends, your colleagues. You have heard all about him, his life-changing power, that Jesus can make you right with God. You have heard that he can forgive those who repent. You have heard that he can mend broken hearts. He can bind up broken minds. He can give strength to those who are weak. He gives light to those who are in darkness. He comforts the low and the grieving. You have heard that there's this person named Jesus who can bring good out of evil and work all things in life for your good. Jesus gives heaven instead of hell. He gives love where there is hate. He gives unity where there is division. Look in front of you. There's a room full of people, and some of us voted Labour. And some of us voted Conservative. There are men and women, they're young and old, there are those who shop in Waitrose, and there are those who shop in Lidl. There are people here who wear shorts all year round, and there are some who prefer to be in suits. There are people here who are Baptist. There are people here who are Presbyterian. And Jesus, you have heard and you can see, unites us all with a love for himself. And, can you believe it, a love for one another you have heard of Jesus too, just like Simeon. Yes, we've all heard of him. But Simeon had something special, didn't he? Simeon had a special word from God. Have you? Have you had a word from God especially for you? Let me tell you that you have. Specifically, you have heard from God's word that you may yet live to see the day when Jesus will come to you. And you can see him. You have heard that Jesus is willing and able to come and to save anyone who calls upon him. Anyone who repents of their sins and turns to him in belief and in faith, he will receive and cast no one out. 
What a word. That Jesus, the one who the world has been waiting for for centuries, the Jesus that you desperately need, can come to you. This Jesus with life-changing, soul-saving, eternal life-giving power, he can come to you. It's so fantastic as to be unbelievable. So much so that some people in the world will not believe it. I was at a wedding some time ago, and I had an opportunity to speak about the Lord Jesus Christ to the man on my table. And in the course of that discussion, he said, I'm too far gone. I'm too far gone for Jesus to save me. Jesus can't love me. For this man, it was too good to be true. Is it too good to be true for you? But I can tell you now, and many here in this room can tell you now, that this is not pie in the sky. This is not novels on the TV. This is real. This is true. Jesus saves. And Jesus loves. Now those of us here who still have landlines have the thrill of knowing when the phone rings that you might not know who's ringing. It's just a phone ringing. You don't see on the phone who it is. Imagine now you pick up the phone and you hear on the other side the voice of a long-missed, long-awaited, long-loved person in your life. And they say to you, I'm coming to see you in ten minutes. How do you feel after you hang up You don't feel like sitting down. You're restless. Why? Because just hearing that they are coming is not enough. You want to see the goods. You can't wait to see them when they arrive. And so we come to Simeon Saul in verses 27 and 30. How many children do you have? if you have any. Remember when they were only about that tall. How hard was it to get them out of bed for the eight o'clock school run, especially when they were teenagers? I know it was hard for my parents. How hard was it to keep them in bed at five o'clock on Christmas morning? So excited they can't sleep. Now, you see, Simeon had heard that God was sending his Christ and that it would happen in his lifetime and that he would see the Christ. And although he was presumably an old man, he must have been sleepless like a child on Christmas Eve. And one day, he was apparently prompted by the Holy Spirit to especially enter the temple in Jerusalem. Now, I dare say that Simeon presumed that something was going to happen and that perhaps today was the day when he would see the Christ that he had heard about. And having entered the temple, Simeon stood in the courtyard outside and waited. It must have felt like forever. Eyes peeled, hands shaking, heart pounding, he scans the crowd going to and fro with sacrifices and offerings, birds, lambs, goats, maybe even bulls. What do you think he expected to see? He's waiting for the Christ, a king, to rule the world, a priest to reconcile man to God. Do you think he was looking for a well-to-do priest? Maybe a Pharisee? Did he expect a fanfare and an entourage? Well, I don't know, but whatever he did expect, this is what he saw. A young man 
maybe in his 20s, carrying a pair of pigeons, the offering of the poor. And with him was a teenage girl carrying in her arms a baby boy not many more than 30 days old. And Simeon knew that this baby was none other than the Christ of God. Finally, all of his and his nation's wildest dreams and hopes came true that the Christ of God has finally come and he has seen him. Now time is preventing me from explaining how did Simeon know that this baby was the Christ. And if you want to know, you can ask me about it later. Or tell me what you think. But remember for now that Simeon had heard all about the Christ and so he went to the temple to see him. Why are you here? You have heard about Jesus, but do you believe what you hear about him? Are you looking to see him? You've come to church. Have you come to Jesus? You have seen him, the one you've always needed to wash away your sin. Have you seen him? Let's loiter a little bit on this seeing. Whatever Simeon looked for, whatever he was expecting, what did he see? He saw the Christ, yes, but what did he see? He saw in Mary's arms a baby, the saviour of the world. What do we see when we are given to look and to see the Lord Jesus? What do we see? We don't see a baby. Hebrew says this, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honour, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Simeon saw a baby in his mother's arms. We see a saviour nailed to a cross, suffering death, Hebrew says, so that we may live, bearing guilt so that we don't have to, Enduring the wrath of God that we have deserved and earned by our sins. He's no longer safe, swaddled in his mother's arms. No longer safe in the bosom of his father in heaven. He is stretched out and nailed to a tree. We see a saviour, Hebrew says, crowned with glory and honour. Raised from the dead to everlasting life. That's the Jesus we see. Raised so that we may be raised in him. Glorified so that we, the sons of earth, may be glorified in him. Given everlasting life so that we may never die. You have heard that he saves. Now on the cross, see that he saves. See it. He saves by his death and his resurrection. This is the fantastic fantastic news about Jesus Christ that you have heard and that you can see. Do you believe it? You know, when Jesus grew up, he said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. Are you lost? Yes, you are. Jesus said when he grew up that he came 
to seek and to save lost people like you, like me. He said, I have come to call sinners to repentance. Are you a sinner? Yes, you are. We all admitted it earlier in the sermon. I've got you now. We're all sinners. And Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. Are you repenting? You know, there was someone else in the Bible who saw, having heard God. His name was Job, and he said this. I have seen you. I have heard you, sorry. I have heard you with the hearing of the ears. But now my eyes see you, and I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. Hearing about Jesus is not enough. We must see him on the cross, dying to save sinners. We must see him raised from the grave to everlasting life. And having seen him, we must repent and turn to him in faith and be saved. To finish, let me say something about Simeon holding on to the Lord Jesus. There's something wonderful and marvellous, isn't there, about picking up a baby? Especially if they're related to you, a nephew, a niece, child or grandchild. The first time you pick them up in particular, you pick them up, they're so small. You put them in your arms, they even smell new, don't they? And all of your senses just become trained in on this tiny little thing in your arms. And it's as if time stands still. It's just you and this tiny little thing. Simeon took into his arms God. The God by whom and through whom all things were made, including Simeon, who was picking up this tiny little baby with hands that that tiny little baby had made before time began. Simeon had heard about this Christ. He had seen him with his eyes and now he handles him and he holds on to this baby, Jesus. And today, at this very moment, even right now as we are sat in our pews, Simeon is still holding on, still holding on to the Lord Jesus. Because you see, Simeon was not content to hear about him. But he believed in him, he saw him, and he grabbed him with both hands and he held on tight, never to let go, because he knew that this was his only hope for sins forgiven. This was his only hope for heaven. This was his only hope for being made right with God, Jesus Christ. You've heard about him. You may see him on the cross. You may take him too. You cannot be satisfied with hearing about him any more than any of us can really be satisfied with Christmas. If Christmas were truly satisfying, why do we do it every year? Why do we get the same decorations out of the attic every December, do the same rituals, get the same jumpers out, even the same tree, some of us? Equally, there is no satisfaction in life about hearing about the Lord Jesus. But to see him, to lay hands on him, to hold on to him and never let him go. 
to sing to him and say, thy cross is my only plea. Simply to thy cross I cling. That is satisfying. Our hearts are restless, you know the quote, until they find their rest in you. If I may suggest so, we could all watch the grey and the shiny heads here nod and smile when I say that nobody, nobody ever regrets coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody. It's never happened. Now we've yet to hear from Simeon. Simeon hasn't said anything yet, but taking the Lord Jesus into his arms, he opens his mouth and he says something staggering. He says a number of staggering things, actually, so much so that it says in verse 33, Joseph and Mary marveled at those things which were spoken of the Lord Jesus. But we'll focus on one to close. He says something that carries the meaning of this. Now I can die in peace. What? Die in peace? We've heard of rest in peace, but who's ever put died in peace on a gravestone? Death is the least peaceful thing, surely. A rupture of body and soul, the end of life in that body. An unstoppable final corruption of us and our loved ones. An irreversible separation, something that you can do nothing about. It's harrowing. It's grievous. How can anyone die in peace, Simeon? Simeon says, I heard about the Christ and I was restless. Then I saw him and I held him. And now because of him, I can die in peace. On the cross, Jesus died and he bore away the sins and the guilt of all who will just repent and come to him in faith and in trust. Holding on to Jesus, even you can die in peace. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul, because Jesus has come. Finally, this Christ has come and he has died for me. Now you have heard about Jesus. And I trust now, you may see Jesus, a crucified, sin-bearing, risen, death-defeating Saviour. What will you do? Will you scramble for him? Will you throw all caution to the wind, stretch out for him, reach for him, grab at him, cling to him, repent? Turn to him. Throw yourself upon him. Say, I have nothing. I'm a sinner. But you came to seek and to save the lost. You came to save people like me. This is the Jesus that Simeon heard about. This is the Jesus that Simeon saw. And the Jesus that Simeon held. You've heard about him. You may see him. Will you just take hold of him? He will satisfy you in life. He will give you peace in death. You will never regret it. Amen. Let us pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, what can we do? What can we do? What can we add to this wonderful work that you have done for sinners in the Lord Jesus Christ? We thank you again for sending him at all. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and to take, to take on flesh and to bear the sins of the world upon your shoulders. We thank and praise you, Lord God, that you have seen fit to put some of our names into the book of life, to give us ears to hear the Lord Jesus, eyes to see him, and hands to hold him. We pray, Lord, that you should add to these things grateful hearts that we may love and thank you all the more, and willing hands and willing feet to serve you as we ought. For, Lord, great you are, and great things you have done, for your name's sake. Amen.